Hello, hello. Thanks for listening to Guidance Counselor 2.0. Listen, I want to give you a quick rundown of what this podcast is and what you're about to get into as you listen to these episodes. We had guidance counselors in middle school. We had guidance counselors in high school, but we didn't really have guidance counselors in college. And now as professionals, we don't really have anybody to turn to, to ask a quick question, to learn something about the job search or to navigate your career. And so that is what I want this podcast to be for you. I want it, for it to be a tool for you to navigate the job search and your career. So that being said, I hope you enjoy this episode. And if you need to reach me, Taylor at Vaco, V-A-C-O.com is how to get in touch with me, old fashioned email, social media at T-D-E-S-S-E-Y-N. T-D-E-S-S-E-Y-N. And finally, please rate and review this in the app store because I want this to be discoverable for others so they can navigate their careers. Hope you enjoy the episode. All righty. We're live. Good morning, everybody. When I say good morning, everybody, I mean nobody because it usually takes a second to go live. Um, but very excited for this morning um, because uh, I have two amazing gentlemen from across the pond, as they say. Um, and, uh, actually like low key, probably in my favorite country. And I'm not just saying that because I visited, um, and, well, I'm not saying that because they're on the, on the podcast. I'm saying that cause I've actually visited Sweden. It's, it's, it's a beautiful country. Highly recommend it. A lot of tech out there, a lot of tech. Um, and so I'm excited to have two amazing gentlemen from Sweden on the show today, Yule and Ryan. It's good yeah. to see you guys. Thank you. Again Thank you for having us. Appreciate it. Nice to be here. Um, so uh, for those of you who tune in, welcome. I know we're a little early, so say hey when you get a chance. The reason why I tell people say hey to engage is to bring visibility to yourself, right? We're not in the metaverse yet. We're not chilling with our goggles. We don't have avatars, except, except Guidance Counselor 2.0 live, like, like in, in, in the metaverse would be pretty sick. Um, but we're not there yet. Um, so for those of you who are tuning in, please comment. Um, please engage. Say hey. Um, you know, one of the reasons that so this the, the, this entire show started as just a way to um, hang out with with guests. But to be honest with you, it, it's it's really morphed into a networking platform. Um, so what I realized is that there's a lot of especially in the engineering space. Like, listen, let's face it. Networking pre covid was like showing up at was like showing up at a networking event, sitting with your friends, not talking to anybody and then leaving. Right. So like. Nobody really actually networked at a networking event. And so what I want this is, is this is a networking event. So the only way, the only thing you have to do is to say, hey, that's it. That's it. So say, hey, again, I know Ryan and you all would love to hear from you. Second thing, second thing is um, ask questions, right? So we're going to dive in. We started a few minutes early because I know it's going to be a great conversation. Um, these two gentlemen were, were partly responsible for scaling to, uh, to over 300 plus engineers over last year, right? Last year last year just want to confirm yeah so it's last year not last month last year yep and so and so we're gonna we're, we're gonna talk about so ask questions right this is you know this show is is the one time where you get really really um senior professionals in the it space and you can ask them questions and they don't bill you for it so ask questions that'll be great um and then uh also want to give a shout out to my coffee sponsor of the show uh, which is that conference. So that conference is not international yet, guys. So I'm sorry, but that conference, I'm actually really, really blessed. I'm keynoting that conference in July in Wisconsin. Um, so please check it out, but they do have coffee beans and I'm drinking it right now. So check out that.us conference in Wisconsin in July. Um, and then they have some really good coffee beans. And I'm, I'm, I'm picky about my coffee. And I know these two gentlemen are too, because uh coffee culture in sweden is a thing so it's 
my favorite my favorite part of the day. Um, but Devin, it's good to see you. Scott's good to see you. Serena, it's great to see you as well. Um, but let's go ahead and get started, guys, because again, a lot to cover. But let's do quick intros real fast. Ryan, if you want to kick it off, who are yeah. you? Yes, yes, LinkedIn user. I'm early, but we got a lot to talk about today. So Ryan, give an intro about yourself. Yeah, so my name is Ryan. I'm the staff software engineer at Volvo Cars. So my area of focus is around pricing. So I work with three teams, mainly doing like price calculations, taxes, and discounts. So we're pretty much involved in any price that you see at Volvo. So if you're going into dealership or you're browsing online, um, that's kind of coming from the systems that we look after. I love that. I love that. Yule? Yeah, nice. Uh, yeah, my name is Yoel. I'm the director of engineering for the same area that Ryan talked about and also expanding a bit sideways from that. Um, been here a couple of years now. And before that, I have a history in, in various tech startups uh, on the west coast of Sweden in, in Gothenburg. That's awesome. That's awesome. All right, guys. So, you know, uh, and, and so I messaged Ryan. Ryan reminded me because I forgot. And Ryan, that's not on you. I just for, I have a bad memory. But Ryan it's, was like, it's, yeah, it's yeah. Been a like, while. <laughs> yeah. He was like, he was like, yeah, like, you know, we talked about how, you know, hiring and 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 remember that, you know, we hired over 300 developers last year. I was like, holy cow, yeah, we got to talk about that. So um, so first off, so let's set let's set the framework of why did you have to hire that many people? Go ahead. Yeah, so <laughs> essentially we, we're we're responsible for um we're trying to scale out and build a direct business. So Volvo is a like, hundred-year-old company. We're selling cars through wholesale, and right now we're pivoting into direct sales model, which means that okay. we will be doing essentially what Tesla is doing: you buy the car off the website cool. or any other digital medium. Uh, so that's the transition that we're trying to do. Uh, we realize that we just don't have the organization it takes to to meet that because we have a fairly ambitious time plan of being one hundred percent direct in twenty thirty. And that's just, we need to rebuild every partner relation across the world and build all, out all the technical capabilities to meet that. So that is kind of why we wanted to do that. Uh, and today we're an organization of about a thousand people. That includes both engineering and um, product and a lot. Yeah. Uh, and last year, as, as we said, we, we grew about 20 to 25% within the organization. That's, that's, um, that's a lot. <laughs> that is, that is a lot. So we had to invent a bunch of things as we as we went, but because before that it was much more about like we have a need, we need to find one individual to work in this team, and that just didn't scale. We didn't have the time to to spend on the resources to do that kind of um, put that much investment into recruiting. Yeah. Uh, we needed to do it faster. So we need to figure out what we can tune and tweak throughout the year, and we we managed to meet the meet the targets and and grow by again 20 to 25 percent last year that's amazing ryan do you have anything else to add i think you'll just no i think it's just a really good indication of volvo's sort of change in approach right now so we're trying to sort of move to being more software first and software focused and sure. i mean that's basically shows a massive investment from volvo's side to try and scale this yeah. part of the organization so that was really quite a key target for us was to try and grow bring in new talents and i guess with a lot of companies laying off in sort of stockholm as well that's been a, a really good opportunity for us to bring in really amazing talent from that side of things from the likes of Spotify and Klarna and other companies. Um, I bet. I bet. So yeah, it's been an exciting time. So, so let's, there's, I, there's so many questions I want to ask and there's so many ways to go about this, but, but I'm kind of curious because, because again, I, I kind of have other engineering leaders in mind when I'm asking these questions and, and kind of frame this stuff up. So first off, 
like you guys sat in a meeting together. It's like, all right, we're going to hire this many people. Like, like what, what's the framework? Like, how do we interview people? Like, like, like what was the process? Like you always get in a room and be like, all right, now what? Like who's going to ask the questions and who's going to, who's going to offer. I mean, like, can you talk about building the framework and trying to building the framework of the interview process? Yeah, I think it was fairly organic. It was okay. not like we sat in a meeting room and said that this is what we're going to do. Uh, we have okay. essentially figured out that we, we need to hire a bunch of people. And then quite early on, we realized that like the recruitment side of this will be, uh, or the recruiters will be key in this process. Right. And unfortunately, I wasn't th that involved in setting that the kind of basis of the recruiting organization up. Uh, but that was one of the initial things. And then, so then we had to start with growing the recruitment organization and setting kind of the basis in place. But then as soon as we started hiring developers, of course, it trickled over to us and we needed to figure out how to manage that. Yeah. And then like very quickly, we realized where the first bottleneck was. And Which just, was where? So for us initially, uh, it was just the sheer amount of applicants that we needed to screen. So then we needed to educate recruiters and kind of help out in trying to figure out where do we set the bar? How do we, how do they screen uh, effectively? And then the second yeah. thing was, because we, we were working with a code assignment or we are working with a take home assignment. So that's, that's kind what of- Ryan and I were messaging about. Yeah, exactly. So the first thing you do is you meet with, I mean, we meet with a recruiter for a screening call. And then if that goes well, you would typically get uh, a take home assignment. Interesting. So you guys went take home assignment that early in the process. Yeah, so that was another tweak. We did have a hiring manager interview in between before, but that was also like that became a bottleneck quite quickly. Interesting. Okay. So then we were like, yeah, let's we need to switch this up. Yeah. But Ryan, I guess the goal for us was always just about trying to reduce the amount of meetings and sessions we wanted to have with the applicant as well. So it was all about trying to get a fast turnaround time that actually took as little of our time as possible. So we were trying to optimize yeah. that wherever we could. And I mean, the take-home assessment was a, a good opportunity to try and filter out as many applicants as early as possible. Uh, I love that. So this is a good question. I think it's for my guy, Jonathan. So I have to ask top down or bottom up focus, pick your leaders or build your army, then find your generals. How did you guys approach this? Because I didn't even think about this too. Very differently. Uh, so I personally went about the bottom up. Okay. Which meant that I ended up in a situation where we had a team of 50 people and zero engineering managers besides myself. Uh, but I have colleagues who did it the, the other way around where they okay. just had a leadership team and no developers. So there were no kind of organization-wide decision on this. Oh, we oh really? So it was kind of like no. each each director could kind of pick. Yeah. That's awesome. Okay. Yeah. Is there a reason why you went bottom up? Yeah, we already had most most of the teams in place in, in my area. Uh, okay. So it was more about staffing up within those teams to meet requirements. And I was um, super keen not to lose speed. Uh, yeah, I love that. Which is why I was kind of hindsight I probably should have done a bit of a bit of both at the same time sure sure uh, but it, it took quite a while for me to become the bottleneck but when then when that finally hit and I had 50 people reporting to me then it was I, I took it, it too far yeah time to fix that Ryan what any thoughts from you man I mean I'm curious what 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 uh responsibility did you play in the interview process 
I mean, the interview process, basically, I'm involved in the technical screenings. So mm. we do the initial take-home assessment, which we will then send back and I'll review them. Um, and we right. work in a rotor. So that's part of one of the improvements that we made is we have a rotating roster of people who do the assessments. Oh. So we have a pool of engineers who are on there. Um, and I think that was one of the biggest changes we made recently that made a huge difference was that we used to just have this pool of engineers in a single Slack channel and the recruiters would say, who's free to do this assessment? And then yeah. no one would put up their hand. Yeah, and everyone's like, not again. I'm so tired. Please don't pick me. And yeah, I mean, that became a massive bottleneck for us and it was really slowing things down to the point that yeah. we had like a two week turnaround time for doing assessments, which is just not acceptable. Yeah. And we were losing really good applicants at the early stage because we were just so slow to get back to them. Yeah. And what we've recently done, and this came directly from the recruiters, so they need all credit for it, but they quickly identified that this was a problem and they just started to put everyone in a roster and they just told people like, you have to do this. And they sort yeah. of give you 48 hours to get back to you. And I mean, obviously if there's like some situation where you can't, like if you're on leave or you're traveling or something, but sure. you can say no and you can move on to the next person in the roster. But that assignment of you, you should do this assessment now has really improved the turnaround time. And I think today we get most of our assignments back within 48 hours, I guess, after getting the submission, which we're quite happy with. So uh, I'm kind of curious about the assessment, right? Yeah, I mean, Brian, on, I know you and I were tweeting about it. Just, you know, my thought is, is, so again, I'm a recruiter, so I have no dog in the fight whatsoever. I understand that. But my thought is, is like to be very flexible and to meet the candidate where they're at. So like some can't like a take home. Some don't have time. They have kids and they don't have time to do a take home. So they want to do it real time. Did, like, did y'all offer the option to do stuff live coding if they didn't have the time or did you have to do this take-home test? I mean, to my knowledge, it's always just being a take-home test. That's, okay. that's good offered. And I mean, yeah. the cons there really weigh on my mind. I mean, that's something we've really thought about was that sure. doing a take-home assessment really is biased for the people who have like a stable home life and who have like spare time. Um, and the more time you can put into it, the better your submission will be. And that's something that really sort of plays on us. So what we've tried to do to address that is we've tried to look at the work that they've left undone and make that ah. part of the submission. So what we tried to do is sort of give them, and it's a lot of time to ask, we asked them for four hours. So we say, here's, a, here's your assessment, you have four hours to try and solve this problem. But we're also asking them to prioritize what they want to solve. So there's a couple of things that they can work on. And okay. what they prioritize is part of the submission. And I think that's quite an important thing because it means that the person who does everything and solves all the problems isn't necessarily getting a better mark because they've kind of cheated on the results. So you can't finish the whole thing. We want to see what you're leaving undone. We want to see the areas that you focus on. And that's something, that prioritization is something that we expect. And the way you do that obviously depends on your level and where you are in your career, but that's something we try and weigh up and talk to the candidate about. With, with, without giving away too much information, was a test like a, like a business, it was like a business problem. And it was like, Hey, like, did you guys kind of like give a almost a real life problem that they had to solve? But what, what, what was the outline of the test just at a high level? If you can say that. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's not too much of a secret, I guess, but we try to make it as real to the work that we do as possible. And it's basically a tax calculation that you have to do. So we've okay. been calculating tolls and taxes as you, as you move a car through the city. So it's not directed to what Volvo would do, but it's a very similar situation that you would encounter in our space. Sure. Um, I love that. Like this has happened to a car and this is the fees you should try and calculate. Okay. And that's what we asked them. And then, so, so, so y'all did, um, obviously a call with the recruiters. And again, I mean, shout out to your recruiters because that puts a lot of emphasis on them to sell the opportunity. I mean, like yeah. a lot. So shout out, shout out to, uh, now I have to ask, did y'all use agency recruiters like myself or did you only stay in house at Volvo? Uh, we're using in house. 
Wow. We, we do have like for, for key positions, we, we do work with agencies. Yeah. Um, cool. Call, call, call me next time. Anyways. Um, so, uh, <laughs> but no, that, and that's great. Shout out to your recruiting team. So recruiting team did the, did the test after the test. Then what was next? We go for a culture assessment, which is the next thing. So I guess that's the one that you all would lead. So I will yeah. normally lead up one of the technical assessments. So we get that out the way first. So we take your um, technical assessment in, we look through it, and then we do a bit of a pair programming, kind of talk us through the assessment. Let's do some system design questions. Um, we talk about solving that. Okay. Once that like, technical assessment is done, um, I'll write up my feedback. There'll be a person shadowing as well who will write their feedback up. Um, we submit those completely separately, so we don't get to see each other. So we obviously don't try and um, give each other bias. Yep. We pass that on to the hiring managers, and then you all or other engineering managers will pick it up behind us. That's and awesome. then the candidate moves over to the second interview, which is the cultural one. You all, do you want to talk about how, how do you screen? Because again, right, it's so frustrating, or not frustrating, it's difficult. You're trying to hire fast, but you're trying to hire really good talent for a pretty yep. important mission for Volvo. So it's definitely really difficult talk about how you were able to maybe hack this in a way but or just figure it out especially from the culture side yeah i think i think there are a few key things that we've done uh that i'm quite happy with and one of them is that we're always two people there's always one lead and one shadow and again there is a rota for, for for this as well so that it's not i don't necessarily interview the people i'm hiring to my team at that stage so we're, we're kind of spreading that out. So we, again, trying to stay unbiased and fair so that sure. I'm interviewing my colleagues' candidates. Um, and then we have a script to make it as standardized as possible. But okay. we also, of course, want to keep it flexible. Like sure. if there are certain things we want to dive into, then we're not that strict. Right. Uh, so we're following following that script. We, we're, we're always two people. And again, it's the same thing here that we submit candidates or, or feedback separately okay. um, for, the, for the hiring manager. Um, but yeah, it, it is really difficult because we have okay. one hour for that interview. Um, so so we, we spend very little time with, with the candidates. Um, yeah overall uh, but yeah it's it's we do spend uh, like at least five minutes in the beginning of that interview to set the stage to make sure that the the candidate knows what they're doing what they're getting themselves into yeah. and what we will be doing we always try to leave time at the end for them to ask questions but it's a fairly structured thing because we have to be efficient in that meeting yeah. and that setting expectations part i think is really important so you get the right questions from the candidate that's it, man. Set, I saw about all time. Setting expectations is so, so big. It's so, let, let me ask you this. Um, you know, when, you know, me and my team and, and when, you know, we've tried to hire and we kind of sit down and talk about our core values, you know, what we want to see in somebody, we kind of put it on a little bit of a rubric, just in a sense of like, you know, we want to address these things in an interview. And then we, we do have a rating scale one to four is what I chose. I, I kind of, honestly, I kind of have this podcast to cheat off of y'all's papers so I can apply it within my organization. But like, it, did y'all do anything like that? Like, did y'all mean like, Hey, listen, we really care about these four attributes in a person. I mean, or, or is that not something y'all did? Uh, I guess that is dictated by the, the script. Uh, kind of the, okay. the, the, these are the areas that we will cover. And then we have like at Volvo Cars, we have four core competencies that we value for all of our employees. But we're a big company. So I, we're like 
40 to 50,000 employees with everything from software engineers to mostly then, of course, people working in factories. So those yeah. four core competencies are quite broad. That's awesome, uh, yeah. But in our values interview, we then have a script. And I, from the top of my head, I can't remember kind of the rubrics that we go through. That's but we actually choose, chose not to do the scoring part. So we don't assign like one to four or one to okay. five. So we do this um, qualitatively instead. I, we have colleagues in product. They, they are, they're using the scoring. Okay. We don't. Mm. So then what we typically do is that at the end of it, we write a feedback summary with a very clear suggestion on do we recommend proceeding or not? And typically a bunch of feedback to the hiring managers. Like I, I would recommend proceeding, but I would uh, encourage you to dig deeper into yeah. these areas. Yes. Yeah. I love that. Uh, and then at the a, end of it, uh, go ahead, Ryan. No, I'm saying, I think that's a big thing with, with the technical interview because we're happening quite early in the process is we try and give as much detailed information to the like, to the hiring managers behind us so that they can make good decisions. And we're not sort of rejecting candidates on what they do or don't know, but because we're also hiring for a very diverse set of positions. So we try and give them enough information that they can try and dig into areas later and try and make a good decision about where they would fit in. So there's no sort of marks to say what they know what they don't know we're just trying sure. to get a good benchmark on where they are and how rounded the candidate are or like how deep they can go into certain areas so yeah. that the hiring managers behind us have more information to try and make good decisions so I love that. it's I very love that. rare that i reject someone at that level um but we often sort of grade you to sort of say where you would fit between senior or junior or how you would fit in and, and which teams okay. you might work with yeah so I'm weird. I get goosebumps when people say things good and you just said that and I got goosebumps with it. I think that so and I want to dig in on this for a second. I feel like a lot of organizations only interview for like the role in front of them. It's like if Sally Smith is not a fit for the staff engineer, we don't want her. And it's like, I'm pretty sure there's probably other positions in the organization that maybe Sally Smith could be a great fit for. It sounds like y'all interview like that. Like you guys try to evaluate the whole business and not just the individual position. Is that is that kind of yeah. accurate? But we have to, right? Because we're trying to fill so many roles. Like, <laughs> yeah, we, we can't sort of interview each person for each one of these roles. So that's what we're trying to do is just try and find as many good candidates as we can and try and find good positions for them. Um, and that kind of breaks down a little bit because when you are interviewing, it's very difficult to tell them where they're going to end up um, or like which part of the org. Yeah. I mean, you all can probably talk more about this than I can, but that's quite a disjointed progress, um, my process, because like they often ask me, like, what tech will I work with and which part of the like, business will I end up in? And it's very difficult for me to answer in the technical interview. Yeah. So um, that's quite a tricky, like, way to, like, a tricky process to navigate the candidate through in a nice way. Yeah, you you want to expound on that and how y'all address yeah. that? Because I've been there too, trying to pitch it. And they're like, well, am I going to work on this team? I was like, listen, I'm going to be honest with you. I don't know. Just go through the interview process and we'll see. <laughs> I, I, I think it all comes back to that setting expectations. And, and then I think it's um, so in every part of the interview process, we try to be very transparent about this is the steps that you will be going through. We, we can't tell you about a specific role. So we, in some cases, we might have for things, is it a specialized um, expert that we're hiring? We might have a position in mind from the beginning. But in, other, in most cases, it's, it's, we don't. And that we're very clear about that from the beginning that we, we will you will go through these and but on the positive side you will get to meet a bunch of people because yeah. rotors are not just for, for one team or for one cluster of teams it's for the entire organization so you hopefully you will get a feel for like a cross-section of the company this is how we work this is who we are and then at the end 
we will fit you or match you to a specific position and then you will get to meet the hiring manager and then you can have that discussion and if it's not a good fit for you then we're very happy to to continue looking for a position that fits you i love that i love that so much and again right it's one thing you guys are doing is expectation setting right i mean if if, if you tell the candidate on the initial call you're not going to be interviewing for a set position. Here are the steps, the interview process. Here's how the take home is going to be. Then you kind of like take away all of the gotchas that could happen in the interview process that can derail it. Right. Which is, which is yeah. huge. Um, so recruiter call tech eval culture screen offer. Hiring manager interview. So that's so. So the hiring manager gets all the feedback, uh, and this is something that we're struggling with a little bit because, on one end, we want to we of course value the candidate's privacy as much as possible. So we don't share the feedback publicly; we only share it with the exact people who need it. But on the other hand, that lack of transparency means that it's some somewhat demotivating for the people in the interview rotas that they just spend a bunch of time interviewing people. They have no idea what happens next. They know that I interviewed 15 people this month. I don't know who got hired. I don't know what, what happened after. But we do that to protect the privacy of the candidates that, that we're recruiting. That makes sense. Uh, so, so that's a slightly dif difficult balance. But, but after the um, culture um, fit evaluation, we, we give all the feedback to a hiring manager. We make some kind of matching and think that this is a position. Yeah. And then the hiring manager proceeds to, to an interview. And that's where they sell a specific offer. I love that. Um, yep. I, I was and, about and that. So that's a much more casual interview uh, where you, you as a hiring manager talk about the offer, the position. This is what we'll expect from you. And also, of course, trying to assess how, how well they would do in that particular position. Yeah. Uh, after which point, we, if, if everything is well after that, we do extend the offer. Uh, Jonathan comes in again and uh, Jonathan's a former VP of engineering. Um, uh, so I love these questions, man. Um, that, that begs a new question. How do you manage setting expectations with hiring managers when the process is so open for role fit? I guess, I, I guess, I guess in a way is that like, if like, how do you communicate that this candidate and Jonathan, please comment if, if I'm wrong with interpreting this, how, how does the hiring manager know, that that candidate is a fit for his job, like 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 where's the communication going from culture to hiring, and how do you guys slot those candidates in for the appropriate role? So initially, we had a committee with hiring managers. Uh, okay. We had kind of a we looked at the entire pipeline of candidates coming in, but very little information on them, and we saw that this is kind of where they are in this processes, and then. Uh, there were discussions on like, yeah, may, uh, we have a really urgent need right now in, in our team. Is there someone with these competencies? And then the recruiters would help us identify who we should talk to. Okay. But then everyone could access that. But And over time, I think the recruiters became really, really good at that. Uh, so we didn't really need that panel anymore. That's awesome. Um, I mean, that's what we've seen from the recruiters as well. They just, they know the hiring managers, they know the teams, they know the tech space. Um, I mean, they come to me like really excited. I get these messages saying, I found this amazing candidate. You need to like do this assessment now. Um, and they seem to be really invested in the process and we, we rely on them heavily, I think. 
Um, that's so, awesome. And, 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 and yeah, yeah. Okay. All right. J Jonathan just, just affirmed. Okay. So, um, and, and, and I love that. And again, and I want to stress that with, with what Ryan just said, right? Th th this is an organization that scaled hundreds of people in a year. And you have Ryan and Joel both saying we rely on the recruiting team, right? Yep. Any organization that I've been a part of to help scale them, they've heavily leaned on us. And, and again, like uh, Ryan, Ryan and Yoel here are just a prime example of how if you do leverage, and it sounds like, and by the way, I'm going to ask for an intro to one of your recruiters, the recruiting leads, because I definitely want to talk to them because they sound amazing. But like, th like this is how it's done. Like that is how it's done where engineering and recruiting work hand in hand. And it's just a really good relationship. Um, I want to talk about some some the last like 10 minutes here. And again, guys, time flies when you're having fun with new friends across the world. But um, talk about some major, major mistakes or maybe just just some things you pivoted, because, you know, one of the things that, that one of the constant feedbacks I get from the show is Taylor. You always talk about people, about their success stories. We don't hear enough about their failures. So 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 I want to see, like, has there been anything in the process that you guys have to scrap or change or pivot? I mean, I think a big one for me is just around interview structure is something that we're trying to standardize right now because we have this rotor system, especially in the technical interview side, where it's less scripted than the culture interviews that come later. Because it's very hard to sort of have a script for a technical assessment. It's very right. much focused on the candidate. So we have this roster of people who rotate and they come through. Every one of them approaches it very differently. So I tend to lead the interviews. So we always have a leader and a shadower. Um, and it means that we meet for the half an hour before the interview starts. And I talk them through how I want to do it, oh. um, which we don't think is very fair because you're not getting a very consistent experience from that. And you're not getting filtered out in the same way. And that's something we really need to figure out is like, how do we standardize this process as it is so focused on the candidate and so specific to the candidate, but we still do it in a very generic and fair way across all of them. So like, can we standardize the types of questions, the types of problems, and can we assess the answers in a more standardized fashion? And yeah. that's something I think we're struggling with. So other parts of the organization have gone the rubric approach where they sort of allow you to sort of grade candidates in a very set way. And they have sure. very specific types of questions and questions to ask. But that's not something we've really solved. I mean, if you look at the staff engineering process, like the technical assessment there is much more structured because we know we're looking for a candidate. The expectations are much higher. Sure. Um, and it's much easier to box them. But when you're working with sort of junior or mid-level candidates, the skills are kind of all over the place. And it's very difficult to sort of set up a rubric like that, at least we found. So that's something we, we need to figure out. And I think it's definitely a hole in the process right now. Um, I love that. Yeah. I love that. You all, anything on your end where you've had to pivot or do things a little differently? I can't, I can't recall anything, any specific pivots, but one of the things I find quite difficult as a hiring manager is managing the team's expectations. Because to some extent, they, they are left in the dark in this process. So they might have a few people on the, on, on the rotation uh, doing screenings, but otherwise they, they only get the news that there is a new person joining your team in X months. Uh, and you might have met them, you might not have met them. Uh, and that oh, kind of yeah. expectation management I think is really difficult. So we do get a lot of buy-ins from the teams now that they know about the process. There, Everyone is welcome to join the rotation um, and they know how it, how it works. But in the beginning, that was quite difficult when we set this up because then just somebody essentially just showed up to work one day. Uh, now that, now hey, Kevin just team. joined. Who's Kevin? I, he, I, you didn't meet him, but he, he's on our team now. 
But that is, it's exactly what happens. I mean, if you look at the old approach that we used to have, we were hiring for a role in a team and the team would meet the candidate and spend time with Correct. them. And, and unfortunately, we've lost that in the process. So now we've kind of lost all that personal interaction. And we would like the team to maybe have the final say, but that's just another interview and another step that we're trying to remove. So it's, it's difficult to balance that one. Yeah, well, I, um, I, I helped um, uh, a company, healthcare, health tech company here um, in the States uh last year and the year before they got their series b scaled a tremendous amount we placed like i think 20 engineers with them um and they interviewed that uh, like y'all do in a sense of it was recruiter screen a tech eval um a, a panel and then like a leadership final call but the thing is though they struggle with the same thing right is where you know, how do we you know they heavily relied on us and we pitched the vision of this company. We try to do the best we can. But at the end of the day, like you may not even interview with your hiring manager till the very end. And then you haven't met anybody. Then you got to go work with them. So I, I think that's the one. And that's why I really wanted to bring you guys on the show, because um, because it's, it's so difficult to try to nail the interview in general, let alone at this scale. And so um, I appreciate you guys being honest and open about it um what what how has retention been let's talk about retention briefly real fast what do y'all do to like because again that problem of like a developer showing up first day and he may not have met the team what do y'all do from a retention and maybe team bonding perspective uh i think team bonding is so one of the things we abandoned during COVID is the co-located teams so yeah. i don't think there is a single team in uh, not in in our cluster that is co-located so team bonding is obviously a challenge because now we have sure. to do that re remotely um, <laughs> but that is difficult but retention for us hasn't been hasn't been a problem uh thus far i should say um we have a some very good numbers there um and but all we've in all i cool think problems to solve i think that really helps yeah it's just like we're pivoting so fast and we're trying to change the company so radically and then that's a huge source of frustration as well because people come in from more mature organizations and sure. i think they have a really easy time but there's some big problems to solve it's lots of green ground um i think it's quite a cool space for developers to come into so i think that really helps with retention as well for sure. And, and again, I think the transparency during the interview process that we're hiring you for, we are a growing organization, we're changing a lot. So even if we wanted to, we probably couldn't have you meet the team because if we're growing by 20%, the team will be very different from the time yeah. that you signed the paper to your first day. <laughs> they didn't think about that either. So, so just setting those expectations for everyone, saying that you, we want you to join because you think that this is an interesting challenge to work on. Mm -hmm. uh, and that I think attracts a certain type of people, uh, and then retention hasn't really been a problem for us. That's awesome. Um, the last question here as we wrap it up, Scott comes in. How have you how how have you resisted the urge to transition to hiring only mid senior level engineers? As you mentioned, you're still hiring juniors. Have you maintained that institutional culture of wanting to foster new talent? That is a great question. Uh, yeah, that's a difficult one. Um, so that has been, I would say, one of the biggest challenges for last year. How do we, into this like fast-changing landscape, how do we onboard uh, more junior people? Um, that is definitely something that I, I can't speak for my colleagues, but that's something I've been struggling with in, in our area. 
So how do we do that? Because we don't we don't even know exactly what what we would onboard you into because we're changing a lot. We're building new systems. We're forming new teams. Um, but all in all, I think it's it's, it's a cultural thing uh, where we have to try. We're trying to create that culture where everyone working in the company right now understands that this is the only way that we can scale. We need to have we need to be able to hire junior people because we need people who can grow with the company yeah. and grow with us. But yeah, that is a, a really difficult challenge for us. Sure. But it's also, it's a mindset in the teams about trying to foster new talents and try and take those people um, with you and show them good practices. Because I think it's, it's an amazing way to bring really good talent into companies to like bring people and expose them to good practices right from the beginning and they take that yeah. with them. Um, but it definitely is a developer mindset and we have really struggled. Like we have teams that only really have senior people in them. Like one of the teams I first joined, I think like the most junior developer has been doing this for 12 years. Um, and that's the kind of team that we ran with for a long time. So it's definitely been a head shift to sort of go back to saying, we have junior people with us, you need to work with them. And the way that we code review and the expectations we give them and the way that we pass them like business requirements and the way we work with our objectives and goals is very different to how you would work with a senior. And yeah. That is something that we need to sort of keep working on and keep in mind. But I think, I mean, you all specifically has been really good about bringing in new talent and bringing in young talent. And I think the teams are still struggling to adapt to that, but that's something we really need to focus on. I love that. I love the honesty. Well, guys, thank you again for hanging out with me today. I appreciate it. Um, it means a lot. Uh, I, we, we probably need a part two eventually because this was so good. This was so good. So for those of you who are watching, um, please go connect with both of these fine, amazing gentlemen um, on LinkedIn. Um, uh, uh, you all, Ryan, stay on um, as I end it so I can say bye to y'all. But again, thank you all for hanging out tomorrow. Um, I have an engineering manager from LinkedIn um, who's going to be on tomorrow. So excited to catch up with her. Um, and then Wednesday is a staff engineer out of um, Texas who I met at that conference in Austin speaking in January. And then um, we have an AI company coming on Thursday for my other podcast, Unicorn Finders, because a guy can't have too many podcasts. Um, so again, busy week this week. Hope you guys have a good one. Ryan, y'all, thank you so much um, for uh, joining me today. And uh, y'all have a great one and I'll see y'all tomorrow. Peace. Thanks for having us. Hey, you did it. You listened to an entire episode and I am very grateful because you know why? There's a lot of podcasts out there. There's a lot of episodes and I myself rarely finish an entire episode. So I appreciate you so, so much for listening. Quick reminder, please rate and review this podcast in the app store. I want this to be discoverable to others. And the only way that happens is if you take the time right now and rate and review it, please, like right now, unless you're driving, then don't do it. So thank you again. If you need to reach out to me, taylor at vaco.com or at tdeston on all social media handles. And I hope you have a fantastic day.